If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Welcome to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life or are new to the faith, we invite you to join our discussion as we dive into theology, objections to the faith, common questions, and hot topics in an effort to better know, love, and follow Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome back to the Colossians 3.1 podcast. Uh, here for our fourth episode, uh, I'm your host, Jared Jernigan. I am back here with uh, Sam Draper. Yep. And Zach Rimsberg. Hello. And um, if you've listened to um, our, any of our first uh, three episodes... We were working through um, the uh, results of the State of Theology um, report. Report, thank you. Words, not my thing. Um, <laughs> and so we're we're kind of uh, continuing on with that. Um, I know it's it's you know uh, been you know it's been a little while since we were together. But anything either of you guys would like to talk to to wrap up uh, our conversation so far? I think um, I think what we've covered so far has been pretty pretty solid but if anyone listening has something i would encourage them to reach out to what was the do we have an email or something they can send to um yeah i mean they can do my business email sam at greencastlecc.com or dot org what's it where's my email address <laughs> good luck people <laughs> oh my goodness just r- email random people until yes. you get me facebook as social media so punch us in the pew yeah, Sam, Sam at greencastlecc.org. And uh, yeah, hit us up with, your, with any of your questions. I believe on Spotify there was like a, a question thing where people could respond if they had questions. Um, but if you're listening and something else, I, I don't know how to make those surveys available. So, uh, But anyway, yeah, email us, talk to us. So tonight uh, we're tackling another question, um, and t- to be clear, the, the nature of this state of theology um, study is these are questions that were asked both of the general population and of evangelical Christians, and they weren't, they're not really questions that if you get into scripture, they're open to interpretation. There's, mm. there's, there's, they're in there as fact. I mean, we, we all, the three of us agree on that, I think, um, and yet it's... We, they, you know, they found kind of what the results were, and, and there, there's not a lot of agreement, you know, among the general populace or um, among even evangelical Christians. Yeah. So, go ahead, Sam. Well, I, I will say there, it's not to say that we won't come across some questions sure, in our discussion. What we've kind of tackled so far. Yeah, the, the first question was, does God change? Um, which, you know, we, we kind of covered there, there are scriptures that people use that... Uh, kind of fall on one side or the other, we're not going to rehash all that. Um, so there are there is a lot of things that are clear-cut, and sure. there's some things that are not as clear-cut, and we hope to uh, explain when we f- believe things are one way or the other. Um, but it, it is surprising some of the responses just how many people uh, fall on one side that, especially at for Christians, people who claim to claim to be uh, followers of Christ, who are who are 
agreeing with some of these and they're so far <laughs> away from the from the clear truth. Um, and we'll get to some of those as we go through. I mean, there's a lot of questions in this report. I think, uh, well, in this survey, they think there's like 35 questions. I don't know if we'll end up going through all 35, but uh, there's definitely enough to make content for, oh, sure. <laughs> for a Absolutely. while. Absolutely, for quite a while. So tonight we are moving on to the question of, are we born innocent? And so, you know, when God created the world, um, everything he made was good. But through Adam and Eve's rebellion, humankind became corrupted. And so I guess just is there anything either of you would like to say to kind of lay the groundwork of the theology behind that? <laughs> have I just set us uh, well, up for two more episodes? Yeah, just yeah, you have set us up for like 17. <laughs> the Cliff Notes version. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, so to to first just mention the, the results of the state of theology here. Sure. 71% of U.S. adults uh, agree that we are born innocent. Um or I guess uh, the official statement is everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. And among evangelicals, 65% agree. Uh, that's either strongly agree or somewhat agree with that statement. That everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. And this is really... In my mind, there's, there's two dynamics here. There is the emotional component. Which, who wants to look at a six-month-old and and say that child is doomed to hell because he's a dirty, rotten sinner? All right? Nobody wants, like, that child hasn't done anything. I mean, they've laid there, they've eaten, and they've pooped. Really, right. that's the sum total of the resume. Mm -hmm. So there's that emotional side. And then we look at, okay, at what point does somebody, does a child become accountable for their sins before God. That God looks at them and says, you know, you've been around long enough. You've, you should know better by now. Now you're actively rebelling. So there's that part of it. There's also a very American individualism at play where in the, in the Western world and okay, to clarify that, um, basically Europe and the United States or Europe and North America, I should say, uh, that is often considered the Western world. Uh, South America is kind of a, a mixture of, uh, some attitudes and philosophies that are more characteristic of the Eastern world, which is why I kind of, I kind of leave them out of that, um, so the Western world is very much this individual mindset. We are, you know, Descartes, I think, therefore I am, you know, but the Eastern world and to a large extent, the, um, uh, South America as well is much more communal that, um, I, I don't just stand alone as Sam Draper. I stand as part of my tribe, whether that's my in the, you know, my nuclear family, my wife and my child, or my extended family, my parents, my siblings, or even our church family or our community that 
what happens to our tribe um, affects all of us for good or for bad. And if we look at sin as, well, it's only something an individual does. Okay, well, then I'm never accountable for what Jared does, for what Zach does. They're never accountable for what I do. But if we are more connected, more communally oriented, then if I go and do something, well, my brothers here, they bear the effects. All right, so so if I... Uh, go out and rob somebody and get caught and put on trial, my brothers here bear the shame of my actions. And so it kind of re- kind of reflects. And, and, and so we, we see that uh, kind of this cultural worldview behind this question that, you know, the Bible comes from a more of an Eastern mindset than this Western mindset I'm describing. Hmm. That, that was your... <laughs> well, all right. I, I'm going, I mean, I'm going to just address the 65% of evangelicals that tend to agree with this. And I'm not, I'm not going to pick up on the 71% of us adults that aren't associating themselves with Christianity because darkness can't see the light. So, um, I would obviously strongly disagree with the 65%, and, but for the sake of argument, uh, I'll, I'll throw it to either one of you, Jared, maybe let's, okay. let's just concede that everyone's born innocent. I disagree with this for the record. Okay. I, I do not mm-hmm. agree. Then what do you do with 1 John 1, 8? That says that, that, so this is after birth, right? If you're born sure. innocent, then 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. So okay, the time of your birth. Let's just con- let's just give it to them that they're innocent. Then immediately you're sinful. So my, I would love to ask whoever these sixty five percent of these people are with. What is the point if you're born innocent? What do you what do you gain? What does sure. it matter if you're still evangelical? Which we I believe it was episode one or two. We had gone over the four. There was like four four or five points that they had to agree upon that fell under the, their evangelical label, right? Right. Yeah. And one of those was that the Bible was the Word of God. So if the Bible is the Word of God, and that's what the Word of God says in the Bible, then what do you? What would the 65% do with that? I, I, that's what I would throw right back at them. I'm just, I'm very confused. Um, it, it, that, this would be one of those areas where the Bible seems uh, uh, very clear, um, for example, Psalm 51, 5, yeah. uh, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's David reflecting on his life. And, and, uh, a lot of scholars take that as him saying, you know, not my mother sinned, but that I came into the world. I was sinful. Sure. I had these these tendencies towards sin, uh, Romans five twelve. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to uh, all men because all sinned. Uh, so this gets into something that's called the the doctrine of original sin. Yeah, and the 
and it does have salvation impact but well, let me let me try to, to set this up here so in around the the 300s AD there was a, a guy named uh, Augustine or Augustine depending on how you want to pronounce it and he was a Christian theologian in North Africa and he was doing um uh, debates and and kind of theological battles with a guy named Pelagius. Now Pelagius would agree that everybody is born innocent, but he would take it a step further to say that anyone could not sin. So that you know a, a child is born into the world and they're innocent, and then they. They could be trained or, or whatever to live a perfectly obedient life, um, to have never sinned, just like Jesus did, okay? And uh, would then not need Jesus at all because they, they could, in fact, earn eternal life and, and earn God's, um, God's blessing that way. That, that was a possibility okay but uh, good luck finding one <laughs> to, to my knowledge there's only one person who ever managed that and that was jesus so augustine argued this concept of original sin um possibly too far in in some uh, aspects but that in adam's sin we all sinned so that, uh, you know, even in the sense of in Adam's loins <laughs> were the, uh, the potential, um, all the future generations. And so that we are complicit in and guilty with Adam in his sin. Now, that's, that I think might be taken a little too far to say that, you know, God's, God looks at Sam Draper and says, uh, you rebelled in the garden. Well, no, that that was Adam. That, that wasn't me. I wasn't there. <laughs> and you would imagine that a just, a God of justice would acknowledge that. Sure. However, getting back to this communal aspect of humanity that um, from Adam and Eve, you have the entire human race as one family. And so as, as Adam, and this is where like John Calvin would refer to Alvin or Alvin, Adam <laughs> as our federal head, yeah. that he is, he represents us. So we, we're in America, we have representative democracy, we elect uh, a senator to go and represent the state of Indiana in Washington. Well, he's the and the type, like we talked about, I think, in maybe the last podcast, when we talked about types in the last episode. Yes, types that, yes, and, it, and antitypes, yeah. So, Adam, by nature of being the first human, is our representative. And so his disobedience, he committed on behalf of all of us. So we are all experience the the consequences of his disobedience. Not that it was our disobedience, but 
we we deal with the consequences, which is death, right? Sure. Adam was kicked out of the, the Garden of Eden, no longer access to the Tree of Life. Death reigns in all of us. But not only that, but then we follow in Adam's footsteps by doing what he did. You know, it is original sin, not in the sense that we are guilty of Adam's sin, but that human beings cannot help but walk in his footsteps. So any child born is eventually going to sin. Now, does God show grace to them? Like, okay, even a two-year-old will steal. Sure. Right? We, you know, all of us here are fathers. Uh, we've, we've witnessed that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so a two-year-old, now God can, may show grace to them. I, I, I would certainly hope that he would as a gracious, loving father to say, okay, that theft is still sin, is still wrong. But also acknowledging you're two years old. Right. Your brain is not there yet. Sure. Um, but that, does, that doesn't make that less of a sin. It just means that there is grace, overwhelming grace, um, that, that covers that sin. Uh, but we, we, at what point do we draw the line it's going to be different because there are five-year-olds who have a maturity to realize right and wrong. And there's some seven-year-olds who like, eh, you're not, not right. quite getting it. But the major point is we are all human beings are all sinners and we are far more connected than this individualistic. My sins are, are my own. No, if I go out and sin, my there are consequences that splash back against my family. Sure. You know, they may not be guilty for what I did, but what I did affects them. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like to use this illustration. If you imagine like a cruise boat or cruise ship, I should say. Adam and Eve are the captains of that ship, the, the SS Humanity. And we are all in that boat. But they're the captains and they steer the ship. And they steer the ship into the iceberg. So now the ship is going down because of their actions. Right? Now, alongside the SS Humanity comes the, uh, the HMS Kingdom of God. With the captain who is Jesus. And he extends a, a, a ladder and gives us a choice. Do you want to stay with the sinking ship of humanity or do you want to cross over to my ship with a new captain who's headed in a different direction? And at that point, yeah, we have a choice to make. We can, we can stick with Adam and Eve and continue in their footsteps or we can leave their, their example and follow the example of Christ. Uh, well, so, um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's like almost you, you read the, some of the notes I'd taken on this prepping for this podcast. So I'm not, I'm going to skip ahead those listening and I'm, I'm going to skip all my comments on the Pelagius, Augustine, Arminian, Calvin 
thing. I would encourage you if you're reading this or if you're listening to this, I'm not going to read it uh, just for the sake of time. Go read Ephesians 2 and just start uh, reading what we're talking about is original sin, as Sam's men mentioned, also known as inherited sin or the sin nature. Um, but I want to throw, I'm going to, I'm just going to, for the sake of doing something different, do go somewhere else. And let's talk about sin in general. Seems like in a lot of my conversations, and when you read people's books, skeptics in general have three things that they hold on to. Evil, suffering, and hell. That seems to be the biggest holdup, but it's all related to sin because those things have to come from sin. But if God is unchanging and he's perfect, and in his word he says he created everything good, everything was perfect, everything was very good, then where did sin come from? And I think that's um, something that, that people wrestle with is this idea of how did sin even get here? If we're, and and then they want people want to believe that we're innocent, right? I mean that's sure. that it's a natural thing. Well, and and that we are by nature good. Yes, it, but we're not. <laughs> the Bible clearly teaches that. But if God so created it, observation, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry for another episode. <laughs> but if if God is is perfect and created everything good, then then where did sin come from? Right? Where did sin come from? Was Adam actually created morally good? And and I'm not it's rhetorical, so to speak, or you can jump in, but uh you know that you could ask the other question, could Adam have avoided sin? Now, I don't know where Sam falls on this or you. I I believe that he technically could have if you want to get into the technical Adam could have not sinned he was always going to from all eternity he was going to fall that that's was always going to happen but he could have not sinned and the fact i think the bible proves this the fact that god gave him the ability to choose he told adam not to eat of the tree so the fact that there is an ought there you ought not eat of the fruit of the tree. You should not implies that there was a choice that he could or he couldn't eat it. Yeah. It was free will is what we're talking about. Right. Dancing around that whole thing. But free will is perfect to love someone, to um, to demonstrate one's affection and love in creation. If they're not free, then there's no true love because freedom is the ability to either agree or yeah. accept or reject, and that comes from free will. So if you created robots then adam would have only ever done what he was ever programmed to do without the ability to actually really choose god yeah and or not and and god knowing that adam and eve would is far different from god making adam and eve absolutely do. absolutely so because like i've mentioned this uh in previous i know my son I know the choices he is most likely, you know, in my limited abilities, I know. How much more would an infinite God know? Given these choices, this is what a person is is likely to do on a, a given scenario. So Adam was morally free to not sin. Yes. I'm but, forgetting the technical term for that at the moment. There's a technical term for that. Theologians use, and I'm blanking on it at the moment. That's all right. Yeah. If any, if any other theologians are listening and want <laughs> please, to comment, please. Yes. But 
after Adam did that, Adam and Eve did that, passing on that sinful nature, that's another theological term called total depravity, that now we are incapable of not sinning. That it's not to, total depravity doesn't mean that a person won't do good things or even morally correct things, but in the entire scope of our lives, not a single one of us will live perfectly the way Pelagius thought we could. We will all fall short of the glory of God at some point, in some way, we will walk in the footsteps of our parents. And you think about whether it's nature, nurture, some look at it as, okay, it's in our DNA passed on, or children are born into the world surrounded by sin. You know, and children, if you've, if you've ever dealt with one, they're little sponges, aren't they? <laughs> they're, they're, they're watching mom and dad and you think, okay, they're not listening. And then suddenly they, in front of grandma, they blurt out that word you, you thought you covered up. They, they learn from their environments. So whether it's nature or nurture doesn't really make a difference. Eventually we are going to ignore the laws of God and rebel against him as king. We will commit treason and all of humanity together, we have committed treason and just about any country in this world, treason gets the death penalty. And then we would think, but it's unfair for God, the great king of the universe to say, you know, you've rejected me. Uh, then, you know, then you, you get the consequences for that. And yet even still, God shows grace upon grace upon grace. First of all, grace of having patience with us. He, he's not Zeus, you know, that lightning bolt from heaven. You know, that's a pagan idea. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is incredibly patient. Almost like, come on, God, when, when are you going to get him? You know, all the evil people and... God says, if, if you want me to get all the evil people, well, that includes you. Yeah. So God's incredibly patient. And he works out this plan of salvation to send Christ to die for all of these sins, um, to provide a way out. And, and even then he respects free will. And, and I no doubt we're going to get into a whole episode about hell. But here's, here's a little sneak preview of Sam's view of it. Even hell is God giving people what they want. He's, he's honoring man's decision to reject. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say, I don't, I don't think hell, maybe there's fire. Maybe there's demons, pitchforks. I don't know. But honestly, hell could be streets of gold. But if God says, you don't want me, I will let you live without me. That will be hell. Mm. Now, heaven, the presence of God, could be in the, in the lake of fire. But if I'm with Jesus in the lake of fire, that's heaven. So it'd be because, a wonderful segue into a debate about God's uh, omnipresence. So if he's everywhere, then how is he not in hell? Yeah, but there's there's one well, and there's a sense of it, you know him being present and, and knowing what's going on, but he's 
he certainly has that ability because he does, you know, we or at least we have the ability to tune him out, sure. to ignore him. And the more that we do, the worse the world becomes. The more we acknowledge and surrender to his kingship, the, the better the world becomes. That's what we call the kingdom of God. And so even hell is God saying, I will give you exactly what you're asking for. And he, he, and he doesn't need to do with another thing. He doesn't need to punish. He simply says, you, 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 you want that, have that. And then human beings living eternally without God will make hell hell for each other. Hmm. There's a quote by, um, just since we're coming close to the end here, I'll, I will uh, willingly throw out my views on all this just so people can have something to either argue with me with or agree <laughs> or look up. But uh, Dr. Ron Rhodes, has there's he has this quote that a weak view on sin will lead to a weak view of salvation or or to put it another way a weak view on sin will lead to a diluted view of the cross and what jesus did much like kind of what you talked about earlier we this we want to be good and and pelagius you know we want to get into all that and that you could live good then you could do something that jesus couldn't do so then you offer something that that you didn't need him for which clearly the bible teaches teaches otherwise and um, the Bible's very clear on this, folks, if you're listening, that, that you're born guilty. You are guilty from the time of your, of your, of your birth. Um, I personally, Sam, we talked a little bit about what is formerly known as the seminal view, is that you're in the loins of Adam. I don't know that I go that far personally. I mean, it kind of, you think about it, we all descended from Adam, but um, the federal view and this idea of the type that we talked about, which you can find, I believe, in Romans 4... Maybe not. Five. five. Yes. Five. Um, but don't skip Romans 3.23, which we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's there's many other verses. But that God, if Jesus, what he did on the cross, when he views Zach, Jared, Sam, and, and all of you, um, when you place your faith in Christ, how God views you is through the lens of Jesus. That imputed righteousness is upon us. The same applies, in my opinion, and what the Bible, not my opinion, my view, what the Bible teaches. Um, that is Adam, the federal view. That Adam's sin was imputed to us. We are guilty because Adam was the representative, and the Bible teaches that. And whether or not, um, you know, whether or not you agree with that, that's a, I'll leave that up to you. But that is that is. I would I welcome any discussion further on on that and yeah and, and that's certainly one we will undoubtedly come back to because it's a it's salvation yes, <laughs> issue so um, but we are running out of time so so yes well first I just want to thank you both uh, you have taken up uh, what I would consider to be the uh, theological chicken or the egg uh, argument which is uh, are you a sinner because you sin or do you sin because you're a sinner so I think uh, you two uh, both come down. Pretty clearly on the same side of that. Um, so I would just uh, thank uh, everybody for listening, and uh, please join us next week on the uh, Colossians 3.1 podcast.